0: The John Morris Show, episode 145. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to The John Morris Show. Happy Friday. Hey, real, real quick before I get into the show, which... By the way, we're going to get into Samsung's unexplainable response to its Note 7 issues. And the lesson for those of you who might be terrified of taking clients, of applying for a tech job, of building an app and putting it out there, even just letting other people see your code. If you're someone who worries about that kind of thing, then we're going to eradicate that fear once and for all so that you can finally put yourself out there. And really start taking the steps towards having the IT career and ultimately the life that you want. And we're going to do it with what I call the safety net that Samsung apparently didn't get the memo on. But like I said, before before I get into all that, so you want to screw with your friends and family a bit. uh, Here's one funny way that you can do this. So my brother set up this weekly poker game over at his house every Thursday night. Started going over there to play poker. And... I've kind of been into cards. You know, my family kind of knows me as a, a card shark of sorts. I'm certainly not on any sort of significant level, but among my uh, friends and family, you know, I, I've been decent at cards. And I've I've kind of for a while got into the the magic tricks that that they would do with cards. And I actually, you know, there's some videos that you can buy out online, watch some of those, and, and learn some of the basic tricks of some of the things that you can do with magic tricks. So, anyway, he started this uh, kind of poker game over at his house, and the other night it was the first night that we did it. We were playing, and I had got run out pretty quick, actually. So I I was out of the game. It was there was four of us, and me and one of my other brothers had got run out of the game pretty quick. And it's probably been years since I played cards, so I was a a little rusty. And and so when you went out, then the I was the first one to go out. So then. That meant I became the all-time dealer. Well, I I slowly started. Uh, so it was my my brother who set up the, this kind of game and his neighbor. And so, again, I had learned how to kind of palm cards and cold cards and how to use the shuffle to get the cards that you want at the bottom and how to move them from top to bottom and all the different ways that you can do that. And I'm by no means great at it, but for a poker game of people who are Maybe having a few drinks, it, it, you know, my skill level is sufficient. So I started, I started dealing my neighbor like winning hands. And so the first one I dealt him, I dealt him. A, we were playing, um, oh gosh, Texas Hold'em. So you know, Texas Hold'em, you get two cards and then you you have uh, five cards in the river. I think it was. So anyway, I would the 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 first hand I dealt him a date an ace, and then I cold an, another ace so that it would come up in the river so he ended up with a pair of aces and he won the hand and then the next one i dealt him two aces and i had one come up in, in the river so he ended up winning with three aces and this whole time my brother who set it up had been winning up to that point he's the one that ran me and my other brother out and our uh, the nate our uh, his neighbor didn't have a ton of chips left and was about to get run out too so he was he was kind of betting aggressively and playing loose really trying to get get him out get him, uh, his neighbor out and so when he lost those two hands he lost you know two big chunks of of chips and so we go into a third one and he had i think he ended up having a couple a couple pair in that hand so he thought he he was pretty for sure he had a winning hand so he was trying to win back his money so he went not completely all in but he went heavy on that hand well i dealt i dealt uh his neighbor i again cold the cards i dealt his neighbor uh a full house of kings and aces <laughs> between what he had in his hand and between what came up in the river so he ended up having a full house and of course beat my brother's double pair and took most of his money and then uh we just kept going and and uh his neighbor ended up Ended up winning, and so then I, I, I of course told them all what what I had done or whatever. So they weren't they weren't too happy, but it was hilarious. And the thing is, is learning how, like I said, learning how to call cards and palm cards and all that stuff. It's really not that hard. You can watch a video video or two, probably on YouTube, and and figure out pretty quickly. But anyway, just a little fun for you there. If you want to mess with your family and friends, learn how to cull and palm cards a little bit. <laughs> You can mess with them. So anyway, as I mentioned up coming up in this episode, what in the world is Samsung Samsung thinking? Uh, I know that there's a lot of you out there listening to this right now who are scared to death that you don't know enough yet uh, to take a client, to apply for a tech job, to build an app, or even to just let other people see your code. And you're scared that you're going to screw it up. You're scared that others will mock you. And you're scared that you'll ruin your IT career before you ever get it started. And I've been there. That was exactly how I felt when I started. And when I did finally go for it, my first two clients actually made it worse. And I mean, worst fears coming true. That's how bad it was. And unfortunately, embarrassingly, in all of this, there's something that I did that was very embarrassing, and it's something I don't really talk about much. But I want to share it with you today in this episode, because I think it's going to help you to emotionally deal with those insecurities and get over those insecurities. But if you've been watching Samsung at all, and you've been watching them make mistake after mistake in their handling of the Note 7 fiasco, which I'll go into a little bit, then you have been gifted a first-class lesson in why you shouldn't worry so much, or at all, really. And so I'm going to show you what to do in order to get over this irrational fear of failure so you can finally go for it with your IT career. And chances are you're ready now. You just don't fully believe it yet. So we're going to get into all that, plus uh, an inspiring message I got from one of our listeners that I think, I hope, will empower you with a deep-seated belief that you can do all of this. But before I do all that, I want to, as I kind of normally do, I want to talk about uh, a newsletter I sent out to my email, uh, my mailing list. Uh, it's actually earlier today, so I wanna wanna talk about this one because again, I've got some pretty immediate feedback on it, and it's really just something that again, I wanna I wanna address because it came as a result of a YouTube comment, and I wanna kind of kind of tackle this. So, and for those of you who are new to the show, uh, if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, I send out daily tips on. I really focus on two things: teaching you how to code and how to turn your skills, your coding skills into a career, whether it's freelancing, whether it's a job, whether it's building your own apps, whatever it is. And so I send out daily tips over on my newsletter. You can go to johnmorrisonline.com to sign up for that. You'll see it right at the top. You'll also get access to my free PHP course there as well. So if you want to get these newsletters, you can do that. But this one I sent out earlier today, and the subject was I'm freaking confused. And so here's what I said. I said, I got this comment on YouTube. And the comment was, my greatest problem is where to branch off. I know the syntax for PHP, Java, JavaScript, C, Python, HTML, CSS3, jQuery, Ruby. Uh, I can't understand Rails, SQL, Advanced, R. But to be honest, I do, tu- do tutorials on those. I never get C. But PHP, I know there's a list of skills here <laughs> that I won't uh, read through. But I know all these things. But I just, and here's the key part, but I just don't know how or where where to implement it. Or what to do with it. And so the comment goes on and talks about, you know, I, you know, I can do stuff. I don't know what to do with all this. I can't think of anything but social media and live chats, which I can't even build, etc. So just confused about, hey, I know all of these skills, but I really don't know what to do with them next. Like, now what? And so I, I wrote in response to this, that you know, this kind of thing is, it's so common that it's kind of sad. You know, you're told that you got to learn all these languages and skills, but the know-it-alls who say that never really explain why. They never really give you a good reason. They just say, hey, this is the list. And in my opinion, the truth is the reason why that is, is it's less about you and trying to help you. And it's more about them and their sort of hazing or initiation. It's all about them feeling self-important and And being able to say, well, you're not a real developer if you don't know XYZ. And so a lot of developers kind of go for this, and it's not really their fault. And you dutifully learn all of this junk. And you eventually reach a point where you're like this guy, and you're like, well, now what? What do I do with all of this? What do I build? And how can I turn this into a career? Because that's really the point, isn't it? I mean, sure, learning it. Can be fun, but ultimately, you're not doing it for your health. You're doing it to put food on the table, to build the kind of life that you always dreamed of, to be free from financial insecurity, from an annoying boss, from lame coworkers, from being tied to just getting by. That's why I got into it. And learning a thousand different things just makes that harder and more confusing. Well, there is an antidote. And all this is exactly why I constantly point you to one language, PHP. It's why I advise you to learn a very small and specific set of PHP skills. And it's why I spend more time teaching you how to build actual applications that I know are marketable. Because that's ultimately what you really need. So quit wasting time learning a thousand different languages and skills and thinking that these know-it-alls have it right. You have to learn all this stuff just to eventually reach a point where you're like, okay, now what? All that does is make your time to freedom, to doing what you want to do, to having the career that you want to have, it just makes that take much longer. And you're more confused and more frustrated And unnecessarily so. So anyway, like I said, there's an antidote. Your roadmap is at johnmorrisonline.com php. That'll take you through everything that you need to to know to get started. And it's just up to you to take that first step. All right. Like I said, coming up in the next segment, we're going to get into Samsung. We're going to get into my embarrassing stories. And I'm going to hopefully crush once and for all the fear that some of you might have when it comes to putting yourself out there as a web developer. You're listening to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, it's kind of funny. Every time someone uh, joins my email list, I ask them a very specific question. I ask them, what would you say if I could, if I told you I could teach you how to master PHP in the next few months? And I get a lot of interesting answers. Now, I get a lot of people who, you know, they say... Sign me up. Where do I start? Let's do this, right? I get people who are a little more skeptical who say, "Um, it would depend on the details, you know, if it costs, what it costs, etc. And then I get people probably on the most skeptical end who are like, well, what does it exactly take to master PHP? And all these are really great questions. Now, let me ask you this since you're here listening. What if I told you that you could get started learning everything that you need to know to master PHP, all the foundational skills that are necessary to move you out of maybe that job that you're working right now that you don't really like and just get yourself into an IT career. Oftentimes, people do it making more than they were making before. But even if you could just make the same and start doing it in an IT career as opposed to like I used to do, which was wearing my little chicken costume walling around in Greece all day cooking chicken. Imagine if you could learn what you needed to learn, get the foundational skills you needed to start that process all for just seven bucks. What would your answer be? I hope your answer would be a resounding yes. Because I know I'm going to go all keep off my grass old man on you. But I remember what it was like when I was coming up. And the option to get all of that training in one place simply didn't even exist at that time. Unless you wanted to read through a 500 page PHP manual. Which I didn't want to do. But today not only is that option available. But it's only going to cost you 7 bucks to get started. So if you're someone who's serious about learning PHP, about making a career in the IT industry, about getting out of whatever you're doing now that you might hate and getting into the tech industry, you don't have to be a PHP coder forever. That's the thing. You can if you want to get into all the fancy new stuff, Node and Python and well, Python's not new, but Django and all this other stuff, all these frameworks and everything that's out there, that's fine. But one of the fastest ways to get out of where you're at now and into an IT career is through PHP because it's simply the most popular server-side backend language that you're going to find. The job opportunities are huge, and there's companies out out there that are just starving for PHP developers. Clients out there starving for people who can create PHP applications. So again, if you're someone who's serious about making that happen, then I want to encourage you to head on over to JohnMorrisOnline.com/php you can start taking module one of my PHP course for just seven bucks. So today, skip the latte from Starbucks, head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP, and let's get started with your PHP career. Hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This segment, we're going to get into Samsung, Samsung fiasco and the lessons that we can learn from that that Really, really, the safety net, what I call the safety net, and the example or the unexample that they're setting that will help you to conquer your fear of really putting yourself out there as a as a developer Now, I talked about the Samsung thing several episodes ago and kind of went through it and and talked about this a little bit, but now we're getting more of the story and more what's happening, and I really want to go kind of deeper into this. And I want to talk about some stuff that I went through when I first started getting into web development, some mistakes I made, and how the safety net kind of bailed me out of those as well. And hopefully again, give you the the inspiration, the motivation, the, the, the ability to deal with the fear of, of failing so that you can put yourself out there because chances are you're already ready. You already know what you need to know, or at least to know enough. Now it's a matter of overcoming that fear. So if you've ever felt that, if you've ever been scared to put yourself out there, scared to let others see your code, scared you might screw something up, then you will definitely want to stick around for this. So let me quickly recap kind of what happened with Samsung so that we can kind of all operate from the same page. So it was... You know, August 7, or as far back as August 2nd when Samsung first unveiled the Galaxy Note 7 um, at a, a media event in New York. And then they started, uh, they started selling it in 10 markets, including the United States, around August 19th. It was five days after that, August 24th, that there was a report of uh, a Note 7 explosion in South Korea. And so if you're not familiar with what happened, you know, there was some sort of issue with the battery and it would overheat and it would explode and it would kind of cause the phone to catch on fire. And the first report was August 24th. Uh, and then slowly over time, um, there started to be more and more report services. There were pictures that started showing up, videos, et cetera. So it started to become a bit of a debacle for, <laughs> for Samsung, obviously. And so, you know, Samsung started to react a little bit, and uh, you know they started delaying shipments of the Note Seven to, to South Korea. You know, it was about the middle of September that um, you know the Federal Aviation Administration of the United States advised passengers to not turn on or charge their Note Seven smartphones when they're on planes. Uh, the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Uh, urged Galaxy Note 7 users stop using their phone on September 9th. Um, That same commission formally announced a recall of about a million Note 7 phones on September 15th. Uh, The first lawsuit came in the next day on the 16th. Uh, They started an exchange program, you know, shortly thereafter. And they've kind of been working through all of that, that since. Now, And so that's, that's kind of what happened. There was this problem, you know, there was a recall, they've started kind of working through it, and it's been kind of a bad deal for them. But in the process, there's been a couple things that have happened that Sam, in the way Samsung has reacted, that have, from some people's perspective, have been a mistake. So the first one is, obviously, you have the original (laughs) mistake of the batteries. Okay, they they addressed that they 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 changed their battery supplier to one that was more uh you know was more reliable and you know that was kind of the the big fix but then when it came to the PR and customer service side so a lot of people thought that they they were slow to issue the recall now there's there's some reasons why it was a lot of phones and it was going to cost it's going to cost them it is costing them Quite a bit of money in order to uh in order to do the recall, and I kind of went through those numbers in the last episode. I don't want to regurgitate it all too much here, but it was a lot of money, and so they were some people felt they were a little slow to issue the recall and then so the but then they finally did and now I'm reading this today um over uh, on the verge of Samsung is kind of fumbling a little bit when it comes to some of the damages that their exploding phones have caused. So here's here's kind of the the little synopsis from The Verge. It says, uh, you know, in one story in the report that The Guardian had done, a Note 7 owner by the name of John Barwick was awoken in the middle of the night by the smartphone bursting into flames on his nightstands. He says the resulting fire damaged the furniture along with his bed, carpet, and curtains, resulting in repair bills of around 9000 However, Barwick says Samsung isn't willing to pay the full, full amount. He claims uh, the company, he called the company 45 minutes after the fire started, and Samsung said they'd call back within 24 hours. When they failed to do so, Barwick called them again and emailed pictures of the damaged phones. They said they'd call us back, and they never did. Eventually, Barwick received a call from Samsung and was referred to the South Korean firm's insurance company, Samsung Fire and Marine. They told me they weren't going to pay replacement replacement costs of any damaged items. We were asking to have our carpet replaced, to have the goods that were sprayed on replaced. We sent them photos, he said. Instead, Samsung offered to pay a depreciated value of the items. So, now, again, you know, people to have different perspectives and so forth, and I, I appreciate that, but, you know for a company who is already having a lot of PR issues and has already made a number of mistakes being coming across as stingy about doing the right things for the pe- thing for the people that you injured or that were affected by your mistake doesn't come across really well now we could maybe go back and forth a little bit in terms of you know the replacement costs and, and the kind of the minutia of it of was it is it nine thousand or should it be four thousand or whatever we could maybe de- uh, debate that, but again for, for for a lot of people Samsung not you know not calling saying they're going to call back and then not calling back doing that two or three times and then when they do finally call back you know not actually dealing with it themselves referring them to the insurance company and then the insurance company saying well we're gonna You know, we're going to cover replacement costs, not, or we're going to cover depreciated costs and so forth. It just, it's not a good look. And to a lot of people, that's a mistake. That's Samsung not doing right by their customers. And you can agree with that, not agree with that. But uh, the point is, is that for a lot of people looking at that situation, it's a bad look, it's bad PR. And as I read this, I can't help but marvel a little bit in, or at what a great lesson this is on what not to do. And I think it should be reassuring for any of you out there who are worried that you're going to screw something up with your web development career. Just think about this for a second. How many chances has Samsung gotten you know, phones exploding and catching on fire and catching parts of the house on fire, that's no small thing. You know, that's a pretty big deal. And for it to happen on such a large scale. But then on top of that, they kind of him hot around in issuing the full recall, which led to more bad PR. And now they're kind of fumbling on the customer service part of it and doing right by their customers, which is leading to even more bad PR. However, In quarter three of 2016, which is when this whole problem kind of went down, they're actually up in terms of phone sales and revenue over the same quarter last year. So they sold more phones this year during all of this than they sold last year at this exact same time. Now, we'll see how the fourth quarter looks because... You know that might be when it's more likely for the impact to happen. So there's some, there's some caveats there. But the point is, their fourth quarter sales are not going to be zero. People are still buying their phones, and they're buying millions and millions and millions of them, despite everything that's happened. Now, at some point in your career, you're going to screw something up. It will happen. It's inevitable. But I really doubt that your HTML or CSS is going to lead to someone's phone blowing up, starting a fire in their house, or sending them to the hospital. I doubt that you're going to have something that bad happen to you. So you can get through whatever might happen, whatever mistake you might make. What matters is that there is a way to get through that mistake. There's a way to go about it that will ensure that you don't have to worry if you make an honest mistake. Now, it's a whole different thing when it comes to dishonesty. But if you make an honest mistake or you you honestly just get overwhelmed or can't fulfill on something, there's a way to get through that with virtually unscathed without it being a big hindrance on you or your career. And again, Samsung provides a really good lesson on what not to do because they completely screwed up on that part. So again, all of this reminds me of the first two web development clients that I ever had. And like you at the time, I was terrified of screwing up. In fact, I had... Avoided taking paid clients for years because of it I remember I remember uh, on Facebook a conversation I had with somebody who wanted to hire me, wanted to pay me I said, "Oh, I'll just do it for free and he's like, "No, I insist that I pay you. I want to be able to pay you and I came up with some stupid excuse and ended up not helping him at all because I refused to take money because i was I told him some something about you know not wanting to be you know, controlled by other people, <laughs> something stupid. But the truth was, I was scared. I I was worried that I was going to screw it up, and so this this affected me for years. And I would only work on free stuff for people I knew. I refused to take paid clients. And I refused to take clients who I didn't really know them. And it wasn't because I didn't know enough. I knew enough to complete the projects. I'd been building my own stuff for a while. I'd been doing my own i i I could have built most of these projects, the people that were offering it was just came down to the fact that I was scared, and I think that's a hard truth for a lot of us in web development. I think a lot of us in web development deal with that that we use we use needing to learn more as kind of a cover for really the problem is is we're scared we're we're not confident but Again, I, there's a way through it. So when I finally did take my first paid client, well, <laughs> you can imagine what that was like, what I felt like. There was a ton of pressure. And I had built it up like my life was on the line. Like this was something that you know, was do or die, which, of course, made it even worse. It led to me freaking myself out. And ultimately, I ran away from the project. And, and I did. I ran away. And I can be honest. This is embarrassing, but I can be honest today and say that. I could have completed that first project. I could have done it. You know, there, were, there were a few things that I had to work through. There were a few kind of hiccups and little things that I was going to have to learn. But I could have done it. And I didn't. And the reason was I got freaked out. And I ran away. But when I did, something weird happened. Now, I hadn't taken any money from the client. So I didn't charge him anything. And I gave him all the source code, everything that I'd written up to that point, which was a pretty good amount. I was actually fairly close to being done, probably 60 to 70% of the way to being done. And I even went ahead and given him some... Uh, suggestions about developers that I knew or I'd heard of that he could contact in order to finish off. So I just, I tried to do everything to do right by him. And like I said, something strange happened. In his response to me, he said things like, oh, okay. And thanks. And sorry, it didn't work out. He didn't fly off the handle. He didn't immediately take to Twitter to bash me. He was gracious, and he moved on quietly, and I never had a problem as a result of it. And ultimately, the point I survived. I'm still alive. The sun came up the next day. And when it happened, I remember thinking, it, thinking to myself, "Huh. Well, that's that's kind of odd. I don't quite understand how I got that lucky, but I'll take it." And It did, that experience did lessen, the fear was still there, but it did lessen it a little bit because I actually experienced what was basically my worst nightmare at the time. And I kind of came through it unscathed. Nobody knew any different except for me and him. And he didn't go trying to ruin my career. I kind of came through okay. So it did give me a bit of reassurance. And so several months later, I decided to try again. (laughs) And again, I failed. Now, this time, it was a little more legitimate. I wasn't so freaked out. But I just I legitimately couldn't complete what the client wanted. I ran into something that it just didn't know how to do. And I knew that it was going to take me probably at least a few weeks to learn it. And even if I did take that time to learn it, I was going to be doing kind of a Rookie hatchet job of it, so I just explained all that to him. I told him all that. I was honest with him. I said, "Look, I thought I could do this. I ran into this issue. You know, it's gonna take me a while to learn it, and even then, you know, it's gonna be my first time doing it. And I don't really think that's a good idea for you and your project. And so, you know, I gave him all the source code again. I, you know, I didn't charge him anything." And, you know, I I just apologized for not being able to deliver. And again, he didn't freak out either. Now, he was a little more disappointed than the first guy, but he understood. And he didn't take to bashing me publicly or trying to ruin my life or any of that. He just he was disappointed, but he moved on. And that was when it kind of really clicked for me emotionally that... People care more about how you treat them. And if you do right by them, most people are going to understand and move on. And they're not going to bash you and they're not going to try and ruin your life. That people will give you second chances. And in Samsung ca- Samsung's case, third and fourth and fifth chances. I mean, they're a kind of classic example of multiple chances. So. This is the, this is the, this is the one, what I want you to get out of all of this that I hope will kind of eradicate that fear that you might have. And that is your reputation is, a, is as much about what you do when you don't deliver as it is when you do deliver. And if you do right by people, you'll be just fine. And that is your safety net. And it's the reason that you shouldn't worry so much if you screw something up. Because if you're a good, honest person and you tell them the truth and you try to do right by them, most people will understand. They won't talk bad about you and they won't try to ruin your career. Now, yes, there's going to be a few crazies. Those people are out there. But when they turn around and try and go and tell their horror story, to everybody they know, other reasonable people that hear it will usually see it for what it is and see that they're being unreasonable. And they'll often end up siding with you. So them trying to ruin you will backfire on them. Now again, this is all in the context of you making an honest mistake and you doing right by somebody. So it's not an excuse to be a dirtbag right? That's not what I'm saying. But it should be reassurance that you don't have to be perfect. And chances are that you can get started now and just get it over with when it comes to working your way through all of this. I mean, you're going to have to do this at some point. You're going to have to work through this emotionally at some point and kind of get over this at some point. It doesn't matter how much you know, that will always still be there. So, you might as well get started sooner rather than later. And that was the kind of the lesson that I learned from all of this, that while I did have those failures, that while they were embarrassing and it didn't feel good, and even thinking back about on it, uh, thinking back on it now, it, it's embarrassing, it doesn't feel great. I know that those, those hard lessons are what allowed me to to move forward and set me up for what happened after that in my career of then being able to actually deliver for clients and having clients happy and and all the good things that we want to happen. So again, you're going to have to go through it at some point. You might as well get started now. Chances are you probably already know enough now. And if as long as you're an honest, good person who tries to do right by others, that is your safety net. You will be fine. You will get through it. So hopefully that gives you the push you need to get out there and go for it. And one thing I want to ask of you is I would really appreciate it if you would share this lesson with other developers. You know, Now I'm not talking, you don't have to send out this podcast. That's not what I'm saying. You can if you want, if that makes it easier for you. But I want you to pass on the lesson if this lesson has really resonated with you, I want you to share this story. You can use the stories I've shared with you, the example of uh, Samsung like, like I did if you want, or you can kind of inject your own examples and your own stories. But there's so many developers out there who are struggling with this. I get emails all the time about this, and they need to hear this. I, I imagine there's some of you listening right now, they're thinking to yourself, gosh, I needed to hear that. matter of fact, if there are, leave me a a comment, whether it's on SoundCloud or iTunes or send me an email, send me a a tweet at at JPMorse, whatever, that this was something you needed to hear. Um, And I can kind of share those with other people so that we can see there's a lot of us out there dealing with this. But I'm asking you to help me get this message out that there is a way through it for all of the people, all the developers that are out there struggling with this. So if you do that, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. All right, coming up in our next segment, I'm going to get into your questions and the inspiring message that I received from one of our listeners. So you won't want to miss that all coming up in the next segment. You're listening to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. (laughs) It's not. Now, I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again, but there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community, that there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't. You simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these foundational skills and learning only those first, the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code Much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable, when you can complete a a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website, when you can execute on that, you can start. And you could start then building the life that you wanted, that you got into this all for the, in the first place, instead of continuing to slave away at some job, making somebody else rich. Anyway, you can learn these skills in my free course, The Beginner's Guide to PHP, which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash php And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again, it's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. All right, we're going to get into your questions and comments now. Normally I do a couple of these, but I'm going to do just the one today because it is a little bit longer, but I think it's really, really important and it's something I really want you guys to hear. So I'm going to kind of take my time on just this one. So this came to me from Mark uh, via email and he said, I wish I had more time to write you at length, but I'm too darn busy doing PHP development, which is a good thing. I just want to thank you for the breadth. Breath of fresh air. I've always felt insecure about my skills after hearing all the know-it-alls yak about themselves and the proper way to do things. For many years, I've been thinking thinking what you're saying, but didn't know if I was right or wrong. Well, we're right. I started on my own seven years ago after realizing I was going nowhere in my cubicle. I figured I wasn't making it, and I could not make it from the comfort of my own home for half the time. Well... Obviously, that's not the healthiest attitude, but it pushed me over the edge to freedom. It has not been easy, but three years ago, I landed a contract that has been very good for me. Using just PHP, JavaScript, and jQuery, I've tickled the client pink and they think I'm a god. I absolutely know that I'm not the greatest programmer out there, but I can get the job done in the, in the way the client wants it. Something the know-it-alls can't do. They're all talk. They can keep talking from their cubicles and I will walk to the bank with a smile on my face. The haters, as you call them, may think I'm a hack, but I'm conscientious about designing my systems efficiently and learning new skills to keep my clients competitive and safe. All right, and there's more to this, but that's kind of the part that I wanted to to really kind of dive into because, again, this is really related to what I wanted to talk about today. In fact, it was reading this that kind of uh, brought it back up for me again and and uh, kind of m- gave me the the desire to want to talk about it today. But it's just an example of, uh, again, all the people that are out there that, that feel this same way. That if you're someone who's feeling that, that if you feel like You know enough, but you're scared to put yourself out there. You're scared of the big, bad, know-it-all developer out there who's going to find your code and write a blog post on Medium about you and share it on Twitter to their 10 (laughs) times. Who cares, honestly? like I understand that's scary, but who who really cares? If they have nothing better to do with their time, then that's a, a sad statement on where they are in their life. It's just not something that you should ever worry about. The answer to uh, 99% of the questions that I get is, is really the same. What matters? What you should care about are, are the, the, the three things that I talk about all the time. Can you deliver on an end result? Okay. Do you know enough skills to deliver on some sort of end result that a client wants? And By end result, I mean an end product a form, a website, a membership site, a social media site, a chat box, an actual product or application? Can you deliver on something? And it could be small. I mean, uh, an online form, a contact form. I've I've gone through the numbers with this before, but I think it's something like 400,000 downloads, maybe even more of the, the, the top contact form plugin on WordPress. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big user base. Uh, Wufu Form, SurveyMonkey, I've been through those numbers. You know They make millions just doing online forms. So something that simple, that small can be all you need. So can you deliver on your end result? Can you make clients happy? And this is the kind of the other point that stands out for me here is, you know, you don't need, the reason that you don't need this huge skill set and the reason why the know-it-alls often tell you that you do is because they're, inc- they're like horrible people to work with. They're, they're moody, they're grumpy, they're they know-it-alls. They, you know, they're just not fun to work with. And so clients really don't like working with them. The only reason that they do is because they have this massive uh, list of stuff that they know and so they're forced to. But if they had another option, they would take it. So when you come in as a specialist, and you say, I know how to do this one specific thing. And you're easy to work with. You're easy to get along with. You're not a know-it-all. And you're responsible on all of the side things or, or the the career things that I talk about. When you do all of those things right, you don't need to know a thousand things. You need to know the the 20 things in order to deliver on this end product. And then be easy to work with. Communicate well. Be responsible do what you say you're going to do, do right by people, all of those things that in any other field, we would take for granted as necessary. If you do all of those things, you don't need this massive skill list, you just need to know how to deliver on the end product that you're promising to deliver on. That's it. So again, can you deliver on a can you deliver on an end result? Can you make clients happy? And then the last one is all about you. Can you look yourself in the mirror? When you wake up in the morning, go, before you go to bed at night, whatever. Can you look yourself in the mirror and going, I'm do, and say, I'm doing the best job that I can. I'm being honest with my clients. You know, that, that's the, the one part that can eat away at you. You can have success in the other two. But if you can't look yourself in the mirror and, and really feel like you're doing right by your clients and doing the best job that you can, then it's going to eat away at you. But if you can do those three things nobody else matters nobody else matters you don't have to worry about them you don't have to worry about what they say and if anything ever did happen if someone ever did go on twitter and you've spent time you know serving and doing right by clients your clients will stick up for you and their their words going to take much more weight than some person who doesn't know a lick about you so again i just Focus on you, can you look yourself in the mirror? can you make clients happy? Can you deliver on projects? and outside of that, nobody else matters. It doesn't even matter what I think. So again, hopefully that gives you some some motivation and some direction on how to proceed with your career and kind of clear up you know the confusion uh that I kind of talked about at the in the opening. Of what do I do now? Well, what you do now is focus on end results. Focus on getting good at delivering at least one. Focus on learning how to market yourself. Focus on learning how to deliver for clients. Focus on how to communicate well. How to be responsible. And then how to slowly build that from offering one service to two to three to five. That's probably as many as you would ever need in order to meet whatever income goals you have, but slowly and methodically building that out to you have a full service offering, you have a full company or business, and you're doing what you want to do, you're working on things that you know you can deliver on, you're working with people that are easy to work with, and you're making your living doing what you want to do, doing something that feels like you matter and have significance. That's the route to all of this. Not worrying about the thousand things that some Yahoo on a forum said that you need to learn. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Those people don't matter one lick. All right, I'm gonna end <laughs> end it there with a little bit of a rant. Again, thanks for listening. If you're new to the show, uh, if you uh, there's two things that that uh, that I want to cover for you. One is. I want to encourage you to do the 10 episode challenge. So this is where you go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. I kind of constantly reference past episodes and there's kind of a, a train of, of things that we're going through. And so if you miss some of those episodes, you might be lost as to where we are. So I encourage you to go back and listen to those. And then that'll give you an idea. If you want to do the second thing that I want to encourage you to do, which is to subscribe to the show. So I'd appreciate if you become a regular subscriber, then that way you won't miss any of the episodes. You can get the podcast on iTunes, Android, all of that stuff. All those links are available at com slash podcast. You'll see all the past episodes. You'll see all the places to subscribe, Stitcher, all of that stuff. Again, com slash podcast. If you like this episode, I'd appreciate it if you'd like it. And as I mentioned earlier, if you would share this with someone that you would know, even if it's not the actual podcast, just the lesson that you learned from the podcast, Whatever makes sense for you. I would really, really appreciate that. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time.